Uh, for those of you I've not yet met, my name is Sally James. I'm a director of development at the Cato Institute. You might recognize me from the somewhat random video of me in amongst all these historic videos. That's me. I used to be a trade policy scholar at Cato before uh, switching to the role of picking all of your wallets. Uh, throughout the course of this weekend, I've had and overheard many lovely conversations among all of our donors, uh, reflecting as we are on the last 40 years of Cato, um, about their own history with Cato, how they came to know us, how they came to be involved with our very important mission. And uh, my own story with Cato involves our next speaker. I uh, came to Cato, or came to hear about Cato through PJ O'Rourke, uh, who was introduced to me uh, by um, an ex-boyfriend who gave me one of his books. That's not why he's an ex. Um, <laughs> as uh, PJ is a, as an, uh, an H.L. Mencken Fellow at Cato, an honorary role, unpaid and worth it, as Cato says. As, uh, as, sorry, as PJ says, not Cato. We would never say that. Um, uh, PJ reminds us all regularly to, uh, to have a good laugh as well as a good cry about the antics of politicians and bureaucrats. Uh, he commentates, if you like, on the lighter side of tragedy. Uh, PJ has written over 20 books. He's a regular commentator for The Daily Beast, American Spectator, Atlantic Monthly, among others. And I hope you've partaken liberally of the Bloody Marys because today PJ is going to tell us how the hell did this happen. PJ. Yes, how the hell did this happen? I, uh, you know, I covered this. From the very beginning, you know, I mean, this uh, 2016 election campaign back from, I, which lasted just f forever. I mean, I started covering it back when mastodons roamed the earth, you know. And, uh, uh, and, and I looked at, at first when all this began at this, this immense crowd of candidates that we had. Um, and I set out to answer the question, um, um, who were these, these jacklegs, these highbinders, wire pullers, montebanks, swellheads, bunkum spigots, boodle artists, four-flushers, and animated spittoons offering themselves as worthy of America's highest office? Did they take us voters for fools? Well, yes, of course they did. <laughs> it goes without saying. But were they also deluded? Were they also insane? Were they receiving radio broadcasts on their teeth fillings, you know, telling them that they, 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 that they could be president of the United States? And, you know, eventual, uh, eventually America's, our, our, our bizarre primary and caucus uh, system uh, at last narrowed the, the field of fools down, down, down to five. Um, Cruz, Clinton, Kasich, Sanders, and Trump. Now that's not a list of presidential candidates. That's the worst law firm in the world. <laughs> that is a law firm that couldn't get Caitlyn Jenner off on a charge of Bruce Jenner identity theft. And, I mean, has the office of the presidency diminished in stature until it attracts only the leprechauns of public life? Or have our politicians shrunk until none of them can pass the carnival test? You, you, you must be taller than the clown to run for president. Uh, in a, in, so here at the beginning, it seemed, um, it seemed inevitably that the two candidates would be Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton. And uh, I, 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 
I trembled for my country uh, because members of the electorate would go into the voting booth and see the names Bush and Clinton and think, gosh, I'm getting forgetful. I did this already. And they would leave without marking the ballot, and voter turnout would be 6%. You know, I mean, the, the shuttle from the local retirement community would bring a few senile Republicans to the polls. A, a Democratic National Committee bus would collect some derelicts from Skid Row, and we would have the first president of the United States elected by a franchise limited to sufferers from memory loss and drunken bums. Which actually sounds pretty good now. <laughs> I still haven't figured out what happened to Jeb. I mean, Jeb, he had it all. I mean, he, he's young for a Republican. Uh, <laughs> Phi Beta Kappa, a successful businessman, former governor of Florida, where balloting incompetence and corruption are vital to the GOP. Um, plus, he was rolling like a dirty dog in campaign contributions, and then, boom, all went wrong, you know, all disappeared. And it turned out that, that even Hillary Clinton uh, did not, who, uh, who'd had a lock on her nomination, uh, uh, you know, for eight years. Didn't have a lock on it. I mean, she, 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 she faced a serious challenge from the, the screwy, kablooey commander of the Vermont Kong, uh, Bernie Sanders. Socialist. Says so himself. Says he's a socialist. Now, now that may be fine in some parts of the world where they're used to socialists, uh, 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 but, like Vermont. Uh, but, but in most of the Ameri America, if you say you're a socialist, what people hear is, this is the guy is going to grab my flat screen TV and, and give it to a family of pill addicts in the backwoods of Vermont. You know? <laughs> Bernie said he wanted to make America more like Europe. Great idea, because Europe's had, had a swell track record for, for, for more than 100 years now, ever since Archduke Ferdinand's car got a flat in Sarajevo in, in 1914. You know, just been, I mean, where do you, where do you even go to, to, to get all the Nazis and the commies and the 90 million dead people that it would take to make America more like Europe, you know? And yet, in a way, you could see what uh, Bill, uh, what, what, what Bernie's, what, what his appeal was compa compared to Hillary. I mean, Hillary carried more baggage than the Boeing she used as Secretary of State visiting every country that later blew up in her face, you know, in her, her quest to fulfill the mission of the U.S. Secretary of State, which is to accumulate frequent flyer miles. I mean, she had Julian Assange set up her State, State Department email server. She put the... <laughs> She put the Dalai Lama on security duty at the U.S. consulate in Benghazi. Uh, geopolitical conflicts of interest at the Clinton Foundation, they were so large they had to be weighed on Chris Christie's bathroom scale. You know, and then at any moment, that ferret of a husband of hers, you know, uh, might slip his leash and get up to old tricks running up interns' pant legs, you know. Which left us with Donald Trump, you know the abominable showman, landlord of the flies. Um, big mouth, bigot, liar, lech, a dog, a rat, a cat, uh, a mouse, to, to Twitter a nation to death, a braggart, a rogue, a villain that fights by the book of Steve Bannon, the plague on all your hotels, resorts, and condominiums, Donald. I mean, how could a person like Trump possibly become president? Now, Maybe it is a matter of what the great political satirist H.L. Mencken uh, uh, said. Uh, Mencken said, 
Democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. <laughs> or maybe it's part of something larger and indeed worse, because we here in the United States, we are not alone in having a political awkward moment. I mean, I would say that we're in, a, in the midst of, of, of a global revolt against the political elites, um, the political elites who created the the post-World War II interna international order and who have for the past 70 years been running everything, uh, running everything into the ground uh, 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 as far as many angry populace uh, are, are concerned. I mean, internationally we are seeing a, a, a rise in this angry populism, a rise in this populist authoritarianism, populist xenophobia, uh, jingoism. And it ranges all the way from the sort of comi you know, faintly comical spectacle of the EU in shambles to the deeply sinister activities of Vladimir Putin and, and Xi Jinping. Uh, I mean, taking, taking measurements for a new Iron Curtain. Uh, and, and, and you would think that this sort of thing would seem worse to ordinary voters than the mere standard issue political elitism of a Hillary Clinton or a Jeb Bush. Um, but, you know, this is, this is something that the political elites, this is their own fault. And this is, they, 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 have, they have cooked up their own stew of problems. I mean, over the past four generations, the hallmark of the political elites has been the expansion of political power. Political power has expanded in size, has expanded in expense. Expense, one third of the world's GDP is now spent by the politicians and governments, one third. One out of every three things you make is grabbed by governments. If your cat has three kittens, one of them is a government agent. <laughs> Political power has expanded in scope. I mean, politics casts its net over every little aspect of life. Nothing is so private that it isn't tangled up in politics. Transgender bathrooms. I mean, we all knew that politics is crap. Now we find out that where we're supposed to take one is also a, 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 a political issue, you know? Now when, when are these elite polit politicians, when are they going to realize, you know, that po politics is a two-way street? You know, the elite politicians, they create a powerful, huge, heavy, unstoppable monster truck of a government and then those politicians get all shocked and weepy when some other politician whom they detest gets behind the wheel, turns the truck around and runs them over, you know? We need to make, make the truck smaller, make the truck smaller, yank the engine and install foot pedals, you know, make, make, make government into a kitty car, you know, so that the worst it can do is smack us in the shin, you know? I mean, and people all over the world are saying, we're sick of the elites, we're, we're, we're tired of the experts. To hell with the deep thinkers who think they know what, they, what, what, what we should have uh, better than we do, and, and who, while they're at it, are grabbing everything we've got. You know? And you can see this revolt uh, against the elites, uh, easy example, in, in, in the Brexit vote. You can see it in the rise of alternative political parties in, in Europe, not, not just the, the nationalists on the right, but also the Greens uh, on the left. Uh, we can see it in Brazil, where, where almost every politician in the country, left, right, and middle of the road, is, uh, has been charged with corruption uh, for the simple reason that they're guilty of it. Um, <laughs> uh, Great, Britain's, 
Great Britain is an interesting case because Great Britain's political uh, elites, its business elites, and its trade union elites all were opposed to Brexit. And, and that is to say, the people who dragged Britain into the Iraq War, plus the people who caused the, 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 the 2008 financial crisis, plus the people who nationalized the British automobile industry, they were all in unprecedented agreement on this one issue. And voters looked at this and said, well, how could we go wrong? You know, how could we possibly go wrong voting against this trifecta? You know? so in Latin America, you had a similar, th a similar thing, similar coalition of Colombia's elites spent five years negotiating a peace treaty with a, a starving rabble of communist guerrillas who had been marauding in the country's hinterlands since 1964. A plebiscite was held to ratify this peace agreement, uh, and that plebiscite caused voters to ask, what, what? After 52 years of murder, kidnapping, pillage, theft, and trafficking in narcotics, the guerrillas are getting retirement benefits? The plebiscite failed. You know? Even the dull politics of Australia have been in turmoil. The, um, the politics in Australia are so dull that the name of the conservative party is the Liberal Party. But, but, but Australia has had five prime ministers in six years. I mean, its last election nearly, nearly resulted in a, a hung parliament. A hung parliament. What a tempting idea. I suppose hanging legislators is wrong um, and, and probably illegal too, except in Queensland if the parliamentarians are caught chasing sheep. Um, <laughs> politics of Canada, even duller than the, than the politics of Australia. And yet in Canada, they now have this, they have a premier who's a, a, a completely inexperienced, dashing young celebrity named Justin. I haven't uh, Googled Canadian politics because who would? Uh, but, uh, but I'm assuming that Justin is Bieber. Uh, and of course, here in America, we have uh, 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 Donald Trump. You know, why Trump, of all people? Trump of all people. Well, I, you know, I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, Trump may be a rich guy. Uh, he may be at least a self-proclaimed member of the one percent. But there's nothing elite about him. You know, certainly nothing. Nothing elite about the way he sounds. You know, he sounds like uh, you know a regular guy. Uh, unfortunately, he sounds like a regular guy who's had about ten beers. You know, and Trump doesn't even drink. Um, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. But you can imagine playing a round of golf with Donald Trump, because imagine playing a round of golf with Hillary Clinton. She has got 20 Harvard graduate caddies who have read all the books about golf, uh, but have never actually been on the links. Um, they spend the whole golf match telling you, telling you, not her, uh, what club to use. And they got the Secret Service right there to make sure that you take Hillary's advice about hitting from the middle of the fairway with your sandwich. You know? And then, after you, you finally get on the green, the cup and the pin somehow get moved closer to Hillary's lie, and what an appropriate term to use in any game that Hillary is playing. And a scorecard mysteriously winds up on Hillary's personal email server, you know? 
So anyway, global, global revolt against the elites. Uh, you know, in, in many ways, the early part of the 21st century would seem to be an odd time for, uh, 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 for, for this revolt against the elites, especially in, in, in countries like our own where things are going fairly well, you know? I mean, we're not in desperate financial straits. The, the, the Great Recession of 2008 was painful with a certain amount of waking up on friends' couches after somebody took the house. Uh, but you know, these days practically everybody in America has had a divorce, so we'd all been through that before. Uh, and if there were any bread lines uh, during the Great Recession, they sure weren't handing out loaves of love the taste low carb thin slim uh, because America's obesity crisis certainly abides. Uh, we are embroiled in a long war. Uh, uh, more than 7,000 American combatants have died during the 15 years of the war on terror. But more than 7,800 Americans combatants died at the Battle of Gettysburg. You know? Streets are not filled with protesters against this war we're in now. Uh, 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 hippies are not sticking daisies in drones. You know? We are culturally and politically polarized in America, uh, uh, but, but, but not in a way that, that, that would startle an old school history professor and jolt him awake from his nap in the faculty lounge. You know, I, I, uh, the year 1861, that was polarized. You know, I mean, Fort, Fort, Fort Sumter is, isn't taking any incoming at the moment, so far as I know. And yet the American people are fearful. Uh, and they blame their fears on the political elite. And this, of course, is first and foremost because the political elite has done a lousy damn job uh, dealing with problems. Uh, the Middle East, for example. I mean, demons have been unleashed in the, in the Middle East, and, and, and the elites failed to address the problems that caused the demons to be unleashed. Indeed, the, the, the elites seem to have been breeding demons in, in the kennels of elite diplomacy, of elite geopolitics, elite military strategy. And then the elites have turned those demons loose in the Middle East as if demons had ever been an endangered species in the region, you know, as if elites were trying to reintroduce them. And one result has been murder all over the world. I mean, how much further away from the quarrels and hatreds of the Middle East could a person get than to be at Latin night in a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida? You know? Another result is the European refugee crisis. Because what do the elites care? Well, they care. Refugees aren't crowding the stairways and corridors and jostling the elites in the halls of the European Parliament in Brussels. Uh, the refugees aren't building shanty towns on the tennis courts at the elites' country clubs. You know, to elites, immigration means, means, means nannies, it means household staff, means fun new ethnic restaurants. Elites don't s s seem to see any similarity. Uh, between the wall Trump claims he'll build along the border and the gated communities in which elites live. You know? The political elites have promised that politics can fix everything. Now when you promise that you can fix everything, then everything that's broken is your fault. If the political elites say that politics can fix climate change, then I want to see Bill Clinton shoveling my driveway. You know? I know he has heart trouble, you know, but thanks to global warming, my driveway had only a few inches of snow on it this year. Uh, so, 
we're seeing in this global revolt against the elites, what we're seeing is, is the elites getting blamed for everything, everything. And, and frankly, they've got it coming. I mean, even if some of the things the elites are being blamed for are, are, are not their fault. Um, political elites are being blamed for the fact that we live in a time of rapid change. Uh, never mind that much of that change is, is good change, libertarian change. Uh, the number of, of people worldwide living in extreme poverty uh, 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 has uh, a, a dollar a day and less. Uh, uh, that's been reduced by half since the year 2000. And despite some recent backsliding, there's been an overall growth in human liberty over the past 30 years. But all change is disruptive. All change is scary. Changing a diaper, change of life, any change in a ward or mole, uh, uh, frightening people asking for spare change on the street. You know? uh, and, and to be fair to the elites, rapid change creates problems for them too. I mean, speedy transformations in social mores, econ economic norms, political givens, they confuse everybody. Uh, especially, uh, they especially confuse those who thought they were leading the norms and mores and givens parade. Now, mankind no longer has to march in lockstep. People are becoming individual persons instead of masses on review. And that's great, and that's great. But certain difficulties do arise when the parade on the parade ground when, when, when the stride is broken. I mean, when the band breaks up, it can leave the tubas to be turned into beer bongs, uh, the fellow with the, uh, with, the, with, the, with the bass drum sitting on the curb play, playing the solo from Inagata de Vida, uh, the trombone, trombonist using his slide to goose the cornet player, and nobody who left who can spell glockenspiel. You know? and meanwhile, the elite drum major um, is just some dork standing in the middle of the street wearing a goofy hat and waving a stick. So swift improvements in transport, communication, technical capacities, all these have combined to create globalization, international trade shrinking the earth to a, a Pluto-sized planetoid. Now, we love it. You know, we love having everything from everywhere brought right to our door, except when we don't love it. I mean, like we love going to Yellowstone Park, but how much do we love having the herds of bison, the geysers, the trees, mountains, tourists, and bears all in our rec room. You know, we'll need to clean the carpet. And then we go to work in the morning and find out a bear ate our job. You know? World is a smaller place. Did this make, did this, did the political think elites, did they think that this would make everybody get along? I mean, try it with your kids. Try it with your kids. Put them in a small place, such as the back seat of your car. Now take them to see the world. Take them to, you know, for example, Yellowstone Park from for example, here. Uh, uh, how are your kids getting along? You know? I guess political elites don't take family car trips. You know? I guess political elites don't even fly economy class. You know? And then there is whatever is going on with the internet about which I would be the wrong person to ask. Uh, I finally got MySpace figured out only to discover that <laughs> the only person in MySpace is me. <laughs> And incidentally, whose bright idea was it to make sure that every idiot in the world is in communication with every other idiot? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I take it on trust. The digital revolution will change everything, and for all I know, it's done it already. I mean, didn't there used to be a bookstore next to the... Where'd Sears go? You know, I mean... I mean, I'm glad I can comparison shop for a refrigerator online, buy any brand that exists, have it delivered to my house uh, the next day with free shipping. But 
you know, the Kenmore repairman. You know, he, he, at Sears, he, he's now enlisted as a foot soldier in America's opioid addiction attack, you know, and, and how do I get the refrigerator into the UPS drop box when the ice maker quits working, you know? So, as I said, all change, disruptive, all change is scary. And when contemporary social and economic change are combined with contemporary distrust of political elites, a distrust that uh, in many cases has been well, very well earned, the results are distressing. You know, uh, 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 Russia's ugly new nationalism comes from Vladimir Putin harnessing popular outrage, populist outrage at the incompetent kleptomaniac political elites who took over the, uh, Russia after perestroika. Uh, uh, Xi Jinping's uh, neo-Maoism uh, makes use of uh, popular anger in China at the all the tea in China scale of corruption among Chinese political elites. Uh, indeed, there you know there are anti-elite aspects to to a fanatical interpretation of jihad. I mean, ISIS terrorists—they they hate elites so much that they have suicide squads of elites who go around killing themselves. You know, I mean. Uh, Modern world is a scary world, and, 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 and fear is a bad schoolmarm. And how can, how can the pupils learn even the one plus one fundamentals of libertarianism when all they can think of in the modern world is, is eek, eek. Teacher is huge and slimy and scaly and has tentacles growing out of its head. And so what they do, is they turn to the big stupid bully in the back of the classroom for help, Donald Trump. You know? And where does that leave us as libertarians? Um, well, it's a, it, it situation isn't good, but the situation is also a now more than ever situation. Now more than ever. And I say that to you because of what people have said to me. People have said to me, PJ, isn't this a terrible time? to be a libertarian, and, and, and I understand what they mean, but none of the bad things that we have been experiencing make it a terrible time to be a libertarian. They make it a necessary time to be a libertarian. When your house is on fire, that is not a terrible time to be a volunteer fireman, right? And our job as libertarians is to teach the world that individual liberty Individual dignity and individual responsibilities are the best safeguards against the failures of bloated elite political overreach and, 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 and to teach the world our job again, to teach the world that reason is the best tool for adjustment to change. Good things are made by free individuals in free association with other individuals. Notice that's how we make babies. You know? Uh, individual freedom is about bringing things together. Politics is about dividing things up. Uh, political elites would have us make babies by putting the, the woman over on this side of the room and the man over on that side of the room while the elites stand in the middle taxing sperm and eggs. You know, you know goodness itself is an individual trait. Think about the death of Socrates. What, what do you suppose would have happened uh, to that, that charming old bloke, you know, lovable, eccentric, full of silly questions. What if Socrates had gone around Athens and asked in each individual Athenian, should I be condemned to death? I mean, individuals would never have killed Socrates. They had to become a mob first. 
and what always comes to the fore in a mob? Mobsters, the alternative right and KKK bedsheets. I mean, they're such knuckleheads, I bet, they, I bet all they can find is, is fitted bedsheets in floral patterns, you know. Or, or less comically, the problem tomorrow with, with, with Marine Le Pen. I mean, I don't think she's going to win, but she's already finished in the money, and I don't like that, you know. Uh, or less, uh, uh, or tragically, uh, uh, the likes of Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, or, or uh, the worst possible example, that murderous president of, of the Philippines, uh, uh, Rodrigo Duarte. I mean, citizens of the Philippines were so overwhelmed with their populist fear of violent crime that they ended up giving themselves a dose of quack political homeopathy by and elected a violent criminal president, you know. And here at home, we have that Cosa Nostra with its coat of omerta at the Clinton Foundation, you know, the, the black cat-clad feel the Bernies expressing their First Amendment rights by smashing windows on K Street, and the, uh, you know, the Make America Great Again Crips and Bloods wearing their colors on their baseball caps with the brims bumped to the right. The libertarian is the anti-mob. The anti-mob. The anti-mob is you, each of you. And I, I just want to close by giving you just one example of what you, the individual, can achieve, and indeed did achieve. Uh, it was something that political elites uh, uh, all around the world were unable to achieve for untold thousands of years, all the way through the known existence of man. They were unable to abolish slavery. And the abolition of slavery it was a matter of individual private enterprise, private social enterprise. The abolition movement was founded in Great Britain in the 18th century by the Quakers. Now, the Quakers were not political elites. The Quakers had very little political influence. I mean, partly that was because of their silly hats, uh, but mostly it was because Quakers, as religious dissenters, uh, were not eligible to stand for parliament. Uh, and then once this movement was founded, once the abolition movement was founded, it drew its strongest support from individuals who were anything but elites. Uh, abolition abolition dro drove it, it drew its strongest support uh, from women and from the Industrial Revolution's new working class, uh, women and factory workers. Uh, they had no political influence uh, uh, whatsoever. Uh, the right to vote in Britain was limited to people with money in their knee breeches, money and uh, you know what, you know, and, uh, and yet abolition prevailed. Not only were all the slaves in the British Empire freed in 1833, but at the behest of the abolitionist movement, the British Navy would go on to fight the slave trade everywhere else in the world, all because of private social enterprise engaged in by individuals at Quaker meetings, in community organizations, through, through, through the work of clubs and lodges and fellowships. It's like saying my bowling league cured Zika, you know? Well, it could be done if we could get more research scientists to learn to bowl, you know? Or let Cato Institute be your bowling league, now more than ever. Okay, that's everything I know, um, but um, <laughs>